First uh, Kings chapter 17. I want to lay just a little bit of a foundation even before I read my scriptures. We all know this story. We can all tell this story. We can all preach this story. This is the story of uh, a man named Elijah. And he was a young man when we find him here. He was brought out of obscurity into notoriety by the good hand of God. I don't know who, what his lineage was. I don't know where he came from. I don't know anything about that. But here's what I know. I was surprised to find out that he was young when this happened to him. The Lord gave him a word and told him to go to King Ahab and to speak a word to him. And so this young prophet of God, I don't know how he got into the king's palace I have no idea how I've never heard anybody teach it or preach it. And that wasn't where I was going. But I was just thinking of what it took for a young man to even get on the property of the castle uh, or the king's palace. And then to get in and have an audience before the king. And you are a young man and you are nobody from nowhere. Okay, that in itself was a miracle. And God had told him uh, to speak um, a a word to the king. And he told him, he said, now, this is my God that is saying this. (laughs) And so that right, that alone could have gotten his head taken off, but it didn't. And so he gave the word uh, of the Lord. And you all know that he gave the word of the Lord. And then the Lord spoke to him and said, now get out of town. Because right then, he became a wanted man. Whether he knew it or not, he became a hunted and a wanted man. Because when his word sunk in, and when his word began to come to pass, you know, they're going to kill him. And Jezebel, Ahab's wife, you know, that was kind of like her hobby killing prophets. And so, you know, here she goes. But I love where God sent him. He said, I want you to go to a br- the brook called Cherith. And I found out that that was a 45 mile hike from the king's palace to the brook. And he said, I want you to go and hide yourself there. He said, for I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. Now the ravens were a bird that was a selfish bird. I'm just going to put it like that because I'm not going to talk about the ravens tonight except to tell you of all the birds that God could have chosen to supply for uh, his prophet, his man, the raven was the most unlikely bird because I found out in my research that ravens was a bird that were so selfish and so self-centered. They would take food out of their own baby's mouths, eat the food, get fat, and watch their babies die. That, that's a, that was their character. That, that's what their makeup is. And so God said, you know what? I'm not going with the wisdom of the world. But you know, I'm going to confound. I'm going to confound the wisdom of the world. And I have commanded the ravens to feed. 
feed you there. In the morning, they're going to bring you bread. And they're going to, you drink the water and they're going to bring you bread and meat. And in the evenings, they're going to bring you bread and meat. That right there ought to tell some of us we don't have to have three meals a day. Okay. (laughs) But you know what? That's not what I'm on tonight. (laughs) And so... So that's exactly what happened. And you all know the story. But through the process of time, now you think about it, a famine has set in. There's no, because he said, at my, he said there's neither going to be a drop of rainfall nor a drop of dew. There's going to be no dew and no rain until I say it. There's not, there's not going to be any. So the famine now has set in. And so vegetation is drying up. And I I mean, it's getting serious quickly. It's getting serious quickly. And in the process of that, Elijah is absolutely supplied for by these ravens. He's hidden out down at a bubbling brook. And the bubbling brook just keeps on bubbling. And here comes the ravens every morning. Here comes the ravens every night. They're flying over uh, uh, King Ahab's house, swooping down, picking up a ribeye, taking it over to the brook. And then, you know, the wealthy people had outdoor kitchens because it's too hot to cook in the house. And so they'd grab a loaf of bread and take it over to Brother Elijah. He'd drink him some water, eat him some bread, eat him some meat. And he was provided for. But you know, there's one thing about it. The rain falls or doesn't fall on the just and the unjust. And so even though he was provided for, the brook dried up. And now this man of God is looking in a dry, barren brook bed. What's he going to do? Well... He had ridiculous faith to go before King Ahab to begin with. And you know what? Even though he's had a little rest, but you know, just by enjoying what God had promised him, he's just been standing on the promises of God and enjoying the provision of God. And now this brook has dried up. He still has that ridiculous faith that has provided for him and that empowered him to go in with the word of the Lord in his mouth and say what God told him to say. And so he releases his faith, I believe, and the Lord speaks to him again. And what does he say? God always speaking toward the future. Never talking about where you are. Never talking about what's behind you and where you have been. That's why I don't know why folks are always looking back. Always looking back. Acting like they're going forward, but they're looking back. No, 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 no. God is a forward speaking God. A forward thinking God. A forward pulling God. And God says, get up. Get up and go to Zarephath. For he said, I have commanded a widow to feed thee there. Now, if you all will join me in 1 Kings chapter 17, I'm going to begin reading at verse 7. And it came to pass after a while 
that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. And the word of the Lord came unto him saying, came unto Elijah saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks, and he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. He was thirsty. It was a hundred miles from the brook to Zarephath. And so, you know, he, I don't know how long it took him to get there. I'm sure he had to travel a lot at night because of the heat of the day. But the terrain was rough and he had traveled for a hundred miles. And he said, uh, now there's no water. <laughs> I'm telling you, there's been no rain. Water is scarce. But he says to the woman, he says, fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. You know, that right there is a great message, Pastor. Because, you know, he said he didn't put more of a demand on her than he knew that she would be able to supply. And so that speaks volumes to me. You know, we, we, we can't put demands on people in churches and, and in ministries that they absolutely don't have it. And you can't put that on them. You can't put it on them. All this craziness that goes on in, in some places. Listen, don't get under condemnation. You know what? I remember there have been times that I didn't have it to give. And they're up there and there's there's a thousand people in here can give a thousand dollars. I thought, well, honey, it's not me. And I, you're not intimidating me one little bit, baby. Pass that, pass that uh, thing right under my nose and I'll hold both hands in there. So everybody knows I don't have anything to give and I'm not, and I'm not going to give away the rent to pad your pockets. But now if God tells me to, I'll give away the farm. That's what my husband says. <laughs> Whoo, sweetheart, you've given away enough money. I said, I know, and that's why you're living today. <laughs> oh, I tell you, he is so precious. I love him so much. Fetch me, I pray thee, a little, a little water. A little water. Not a bucket of water, but just enough water that, to, to quench my thirst that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me. And after make for thee and thy son, for thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah and she and he 
and her house did eat many days and the barrel of meal wasted not and neither did the cruise of oil fail according to the word of the Lord which he spake by Elijah. Father, thank you for adding your blessing to the reading and the preaching of your word. God, let me not miss one thing, but let me not draw one thing that I know naturally about this because Lord God, how many times have we preached out of this passage? But God, that it would be the revelation for this house, for those that are gathered here under my voice in this service, because it wasn't for this morning, it was for tonight. And so Father, I thank you and I praise you for doing that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So Elijah is down at the brook and it's dried up. God says, get up, rise up and go to Zarephath. Now think about that. Go to Zarephath, go to Jezebel's hometown. Now look at the wisdom of God. That is the very place that nobody is going to go look for this prophet. Because there ain't no prophet. I know that's not proper grammar. There is no prophet that is about to go to Zarephath. Because I'm telling you, she's from Zarephath. And that spirit abides in Zarephath. So no prophet of God is going to Zarephath except Elijah at the word of the Lord. God sends him to a treacherous place in the natural, but it's a place of safety in the spirit. Now, I want you to know in this coming year, there's going to be some things that's going to look very treacherous to us. God has shown me this. There's going to be a treacherous days ahead. But if we just listen for God, he is going to guide, he's going to lead us and guide us by the power of the Holy Ghost. And that place which is treacherous for the world is going to be a place of safety for us. Glory be to God. Just like God showed me this morning when I was preaching that the very water that caused the boat to float when it got on the inside and it belonged on the outside, it was the very thing that would have caused the boat to sink. But you know what? We are not allowing that which should be on the the outside and what should remain on the outside to get on the inside of us. In other words, trouble may come. Treachery may come. But you know what? It's going to stay on the outside because we're not going to invite it in on the inside. As a matter of fact, we don't even allow it in the name of Jesus. Because after all, church, we can whine and gripe and cry if we want to. But it is us who has the authority. It is us that has the authority. Now, that's what the word says. And so, but widows in Zarephath, it was a sad case. Because, you know, widows in in Israel, the law had provided for them. You know, the law was for the wealthier people to take care of those who didn't have as much. But widows 
in Zarephath, they were just, they lived a meager existence. And if they didn't have a grown son, if their husband was dead, or there wasn't a close man relative that would take care of them, they were just out in the street, so to speak. That's the only way I know how to say it. And they just, all they had was what other people just, you know, like what I could see from reading, like maybe in our time, it would be people going through dumpsters and, you know, just trying to get what others had thrown away. And that is the very person that God said, I have, I have got a widow in Zarephath and she is going to sustain you. Oh my God, this is worse than the brook. I mean, those dirty birds first, but you know what? They, they obeyed God. So, you know, this ridiculous faith that this man of God has, he's saying, well, listen, if he can get the ravens to feed me, I'm sure that this widow can do something. And so the Bible says that, that when, sure enough, he, he went there, was a hundred miles. And, and the first thing he saw when he got there was this widow woman. And so he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, I'm telling you, our provision is at the gate of the city. You just got to get to the place where God has commanded you to get. That right there at the gate will be yours and my provision. And so the Bible says, behold, the widow woman was there. She was right there. He didn't have to go hunt her down. He didn't have to shuffle through the other widows. You know, no, 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 no. And you know, Jesus even mentioned this woman. He said there were lots of widows in Israel. But he said this one in Zarephath was the one that God sent the man of God Elijah to. So she got honorable mention from Jesus. And so he said to her, he said, fetch me, I pray thee, a little water. And so, you know, we just talked about that. As she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread. I'm hungry too. And she said, I thought this was telling. She allowed her fear to be seen. She allowed. Now, now she had to have faith. She was out at the gate. I don't know if the Holy Ghost led her out there. I don't know how she got this message from God. I don't know if a minor prophet came through and somehow got her a message. I don't know if she had a dream. I don't know if she had an unction from the Holy One. I don't know how God got the message through to her. But this is what I know. God is well able to get the message through to your place of provision. And that's exactly what we expect him to do. Because he knows what we have need of before we ever ask. And so the Bible says that she was going to fetch it and she showed him her fear. And she said, as the Lord, look here, thy God liveth. I have not a cake, 
but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah, look how he comforted her. I'm telling you, ministers can, if we read our Bible, we can learn how to conduct ourselves. You know, he didn't jump on her and say, look look here, girl, I'm a prophet of God. I'm a prophet of God. You give to me and you're going to be blessed. Honey, you, God will knock your teeth out of your head. In the name of Jesus, of course. (laughs) I don't think Pastor Jerry's ever going to forget what I said this morning. And I thought I cleaned that up very well. Oh, my goodness. Here's what he said to her. Elijah said to her, fear not. Fear not. I see you're afraid. I understand why you're afraid. There's no need to fear. Fear not. Go and do as thou hast said. But make me thereof a little cake first and bring it unto me. And after, make for thee and thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the crucible fail until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. He said, don't be afraid. There is nothing to fear. But I want us to look at this man of God before we go much farther. He was told what to do, but here's what the Lord said to me, and I'm just going to read it because he said this to me in prayer. Thinking past what God has told us to do will cause us to put our hands on it. Instead of just obeying with blind faith, just which I guess all faith is blind. But because he said, he said to me, and he had said this to me before, he said, for in the hour that you put your hand to what I have told you to do, and you move past what I've told you to do, or you shrink back, or you're trying to figure it out, you leave your fingerprints on it. Your DNA is then on it. Therefore, the, the pure and the vile have touched, so now it's contaminated. She had a little meal, a little oil, and she was going to, uh, um, I need my sticks. Now, I was preaching out of this, and I wasn't preaching anything about what I'm about to preach. And I saw myself doing this in this church. I saw myself. That was a, that, that's a revelation. I hadn't, I hadn't got that one. Yeah. <laughs> But you know, the Bible says that she had a little meal and a little oil, and she was going out to gather two sticks. Now, I'm just reading that, and I'm about to preach what God has given me for that church up in North Carolina. And I saw that, two sticks, and I clearly heard the Lord say, why two sticks? Why not three sticks? Now, I'm from the country, and I used to cook on a wood stove. And I know how to cook on a wood stove. And that's saying something. And I know to cook right on a wood stove. And I know that if, you're, if you cook on a wood stove uh, and you're going to cook bread, 
You don't put big old logs in it. You don't want it to get too hot. You'll ruin your bread. It'll cook it too fast. The inside, you've cooked on one before. Me too, baby. And so you go out and you gather a little handful. Just a little handful. I mean, that much will cook a whole big pan of biscuits in a wood stove. But the Bible says, she said to the prophet, she said, I am about to gather two sticks because I'm about to bake bread. But why not a little handful? Why not three sticks? Why not just a a little bit of this and a little bit of that? No, two sticks. And I saw myself in this church and I saw myself doing this. Two sticks. Two sticks. Two sticks. Two sticks. And the Lord had told me a few years ago... You know, you remember when he told me the name of Jesus, you're not hearing Je- you're not hearing my name in churches, Pentecostal churches, word churches. They're singing all these songs about themselves. I don't ever hear my name called in ch- my churches anymore. And so he put me on the thing. I made some people mad enough to want to nip a snuff. I, I didn't care. I, I went right on saying what God said. I went right on. Those who have obeyed just keep on growing and, and, and maturing the spirit. And those who didn't, they're getting deader by the day. And I'm just like, whoo, Lord have mercy. But I saw myself doing this. He said, two sticks. Now, when they were on the ground, she had a handful of meal. She had a little bit of oil in a cruise. And that was nothing but two sticks. But here's what God said to me. He said, you're not hearing the cross preached anymore. You're not hearing the cross preached and the power of the cross. You're not hearing it anymore, except from some people who are mad at everybody. And that's not what I'm talking about. But here's what God said to me. Like that, that's all she had. A little oil, which represents a little bit of the Holy Ghost. A little meal, which represents the Word of God. And then just two sticks. But when she embraced and brought them unto her, herself. She then was behind the cross. Now listen to me. This woman was in sin and she was in Sarapath. She was no covenant anything and she had no hope of ever coming out of sin. She lived in a sinful place. She was a sinner and there was no hope. But right in the midst of her hopelessness, right in the midst of her sin and if she was sick or all of the things that this cross uh, represents for us uh, whatever she was uh, out she had no hope of uh, when she embraced uh, this uh, she came in uh, and the cross uh, began uh, to work for her uh, and she was saved uh, she was provided for uh, there was provision uh, there was protection for her There was healing for her. There was redemption for her right there behind the cross. Oh, yes, the cross, the cross that we've gotten too sophisticated to even preach about anymore. I tell you, we've got too sophisticated. When we can't speak on the blood, when we can't call the name of Jesus, when we can't preach on the cross, baby, you are too sophisticated. 
listen, this don't make any sense to me either. <laughs> this is not the kind of preacher I am. I saw this in the spirit. I asked my husband, what's about that big around, about that long to make a good looking cross? He said, sounds like a dowel to me. I said, I need two of them. <laughs> and so he went and got them for me when I, when I flew in. <laughs> that, and so anyway, so the cross, but it was nothing until she embraced it. It was just two sticks. And you know what? That's what it is for us. If we don't have a revelation that at Calvary, there was a work that was completed. I mean, it was completed. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them. His word, that's Jesus, and delivered them from all of their destructions. And you know what? All we have to do is receive it, embrace it, take it in, stand on it, believe it, look to it. Oh, I tell you, when my husband was up there in that, oh, the devil trying to kill him every morning. Don't think I didn't have to pull myself up by my bootstraps. You know, Elaine, I want to tell the whole story on it. Because, you know, when you just tell the good parts, you leap out. Some I'm telling you every morning, I will wake up and I wanted to be back in there by six o'clock so I could get back in there and be there just to speak words of life to him the minute they unlocked that door. But I would go sit at the foot of that cross at Baptist Hospital and I would sit out there and I would listen to that water and I'm telling you I would pull myself up by my bootstraps. Do you know what that means? Spiritually speaking because every morning it wasn't Jesus that woke me up. Honey, it was a devil and he'd say, what are you going to do today? I'd say, I'm going to speak the word. I'm going to believe God. I'm going to take authority over you. He said, you did that yesterday. That's what he'd say to me every morning. You did that yesterday and nothing happened. I said, oh yes, something happened. Oh yes, it did because my words have power. Yeah, something happened. I just haven't seen it yet. And that's why you're so afraid. That's why you're afraid because you know and that I know. Yes, sir, something did happen. Something happened. And I'll tell you, I'm sitting at the foot of why it happened. And I'm telling you, everything in me wanted to cry. Everything in me wanted to act like a mere little woman. Everything in me wanted to fall to pieces. Every morning, I'm telling you, every morning, it was war just to get my faith back up to where I was supposed to be. Because the devil didn't want me to believe The devil wanted me to act like the world acts and go to pieces and act crazy and talk about how bad it was and, oh, how I'm believing God. You ever notice how those people always tell me, I'll tell you, I'm believing. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I'm believing. I believe the word. You ever notice when they speak, you don't feel anything go off in your spirit? And all you want to do is grab a dip of snuff. And I don't even dip. So, you know, I'm telling you, children, this coming year, God wants us. 
to focus in on this. He wants us to focus in on this. He wants us to teach it. He wants us to preach it. Because think about it, church, right here. Think about it right here. You know how the devil wants to rub everything in, Pastor. He wants to rub your your past in your face. He wants to rub how your body's hurting in your face. He wants to rub how this happened and you wanted to be this way and God didn't. You know, all of that junk. But you know what Jesus did right here? He blotted it out. He doesn't rub it in our face. He blotted it out right here with his own blood right here. And so if Elijah said, grab those two sticks and bake you some bread. And he said, now the the barrel is not going to run dry. You're going to have all the bread you need. You're going to have all the oil you need until the Lord sendeth rain on the earth. Now I am decreeing and declaring uh, uh, under the word of God that he has given me for this people. There's not going to be any lack. There's not going to be any lack. There's not going to be any lack. If you'll look right here, if you'll look right here, if you'll embrace this right here, I don't know how God will do it. You know what? I guarantee you, brother Elijah had no idea how God was going to supply. I guarantee you if the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth was told, Elijah didn't know how it was going to happen. He just knew with his ridiculous faith, it is going to happen. It is going to happen. I don't know how he'll do it. I can't tell you when he'll do it. But this is one thing I know. Me nor that widow woman nor her son is going to starve to death. Not a one of us. It's going to happen. And you know what? It did happen. It did happen. Because here in the Old Testament, we have dug out. We have found. Oh, a type of Calvary's completed work. And look here. Woo! Just like with us. Because I want you to know you're as healed today as you're ever going to be. You are as, oh, yes, you are. Yes, you are. You just have to receive it. Now, I'm not saying the devil's not come to try to take it. But you know what? I tell you, I tell you, I I was telling the Lord coming down here. I said, God, you know, I was meditating on this. I could see myself behind, behind this cross. On that bloody side of the cross when I'm teaching it. I said, God, this makes me want a cross necklace. And um, I want to be gold with a real good chain. And God, I kind of like some diamonds on it. Just to smear it in the devil's face. Just to remind the devil, honey, I'm behind that cross. Mm-hmm. I'm always and forever behind this cross. I'm protected by it. I'm provided for by it. Woo! I'm telling you, I'm healed because of it. It was right there. He said his word right here. Right here. It was so bad. God had to turn look upon it. It was so horrible. But you know what? It purchased us out of sin. It purchased us out of sickness. It purchased us out of lack. It purchased us out of poverty. Oh, yes, it did. Oh, I'm 
telling you, we've got to lift it up. We've got to believe what it represents. We've got to study the word. Listen, that's what I've been doing in in between flights. That's what I've been doing. I've been studying again, refreshing myself of the cross. Oh, I'm justified. I'm justified by it. I'm glorified. I'm sanctified. Why? Because of this cross. Because of this completed work. And you know what? I'm not trying to get saved. I am saved. I'm not trying to get healed. I am healed. Glory be to God. I'm not trying to get redeemed. I am redeemed. I'm not trying to get glorified. I am. I'm not trying to get sanctified. I am. I'm not trying to get justified. I am. And a whole lot more. A whole lot more. Woo! A whole lot more. A whole lot more. Look here. Oh, the cross of Calvary. The power of the cross. The power of the cross. Now, I want to tell you, I want to tell you what the nurses told me. When my husband, they, they tell me every day, every day, every day, every day, sometimes three and four times a day. He's just about to cross on over. Now, Sister Burris, Miss Burris, well, they didn't call me sister. Miss Burris, he's not in a coma. He's in a death sleep. I'm thinking, okay, whatever that means. I tell you, I'm slinging blood. I'm standing at the foot of that bed, both hands up in the air, saying, Jesus, I agree with you. Uh, that's what I was saying. That's what I was saying. I would say it because what my eyes was looking on wanted me to believe something besides this right here. Oh, yeah. And so I just shut both eyes and throw both hands up in there. And I say, Jesus, I agree with you. I agree with you. That's what I do. I agree with you. I'm not going to preach it and not live it. I agree with you, Jesus. He is healed. He is healed. He is delivered. He is saved. Oh, he's safe. He's rescued. He is right now. And they told me, Miss Burris, we have something very strange to tell you about your husband. And I thought, oh, brother, what's what this time? Because every report got worse than the last one. Oh. And so I said, okay. What? What? They said, now he never regains consciousness. He never wakes up, but it's like he knows when you leave. And when you leave, he starts, now he can't talk. He don't know any of us. He's not even winking an eye. Nothing. They say his brain is dead. They say it's shut down. That's what they say. They didn't say it was dead. They said shut down. His brain shut down. His stomach shut down. His kidney shut down. Everything shut down except his heart. He just wouldn't quit beating. And I just knew that was because it was beating for me. I just believed it. 
They said, when you leave, he began singing to the top of his lungs. I thought, singing? He can't sing. I said, I want to make sure I understand what that. I said, now, what's he singing? And this one little Pentecostal woman, she was our nurse. She said, he starts off singing the old rugged cross. And then he goes to um, uh, uh, um, that, that blood song. It'll come back to me. And she said, he sings the old rugged cross. He sings the old rugged cross and he sings and we have to shut those sliding glass doors. And they said, uh, Miss Burris, we're trying to figure out how is he doing that? He is as weak as a kitten. His blood pressure, the only reason he's got any blood pressure at all is the medication they're pumping into him and that's what's destroying his kidneys. We can't figure this out. And I said, well, well, I can tell you exactly what it was. I knew. I said, he's singing out of his spirit. And his spirit is as strong as it ever has been because of this right here. Because of this right here. Because that he has embraced the cross of Calvary into his life. Glory be to God. And then, oh, oh, I know the other one. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Oh, the blood of Jesus. They said he'll sing and he'll sing. And we'll go in and we'll say, Mr. Burris, you've got to quieten down. There's other people in here. And it's like he don't even know we're in the room. He just sings and sings. We're having to close the doors and pull the curtains because he's singing to the top of his lungs. And they said, it's like he's got a built-in clock because at about 15 till 6, he knew I'd be there at 6, he quits singing and he goes to sleep into a more... Anyway, they told me what kind of sleep it was. But anyway, because when you're already in a death sleep, I didn't know there's another sleep you to sleep in, but okay. <laughs> cross the cross his spirit knew what to declare his spirit knew what to decree his spirit knew it and you know what the lord said to me even as i was driving down he said have you noticed and i hadn't even thought about it he said have you noticed there are not anointed, now I'm not saying here because I don't know, I'm not here all the time, but there's not anointed songs about the cross sung anymore. There's not powerful songs. You're, we're not decra- declaring and decreeing in song the cross of Calvary. So I ask our precious, precious Stephen. I said, Pastor Stephen, do you know that old song, The Old Rugged Cross? Because God showed me in the night last night. That's what we need to sing. We need to sing it. We need to refresh ourselves. And we need to once again embrace it. That old rugged cross. Because you know what? We've kind of moved to a bloodless gospel, if you'll think about it. And you know, really, there is no such thing. There is no such thing as a bloodless gospel. But if we're not preaching the cross, if we're not preaching the shed blood of Jesus, if we're not embracing the cross of Calvary, if we're not embracing the powerful blood of Jesus, if we're not embracing it, 
It's a bloodless gospel, which is not the gospel. And the Lord showed me, as we began to preach and teach this year on the power of the cross, the power of the cross, he said, I'm going to begin to confirm it with signs and wonders. That's what he told me. I've not ever preached this anywhere else, Pastor. This was for here. Yes, we're embracing it. I am too. I'm embracing it. Now, I tell you, I'm so thankful that God gave me that revelation of the completed work of Calvary. I tell you, Pastor Elaine, it's so real in me. It's like a team of mules couldn't pull it out of me, Pastor. Because I've lived it. I've breathed it. I have evidence of it. I have evidence of it. Calvary was a completed work. Jesus said it is finished. I want you to stand to your feet. And I want us to sing with all of our hearts like we used to in Rush Arbor meetings and tent meetings and Baptist churches and Assemblies of God churches and Pentecostal churches. We used to sing it till the rafters would rock. The old rugged cross. And I want us to once again embrace the words of this old anointed song that I'm ashamed to tell you. I'm ashamed to tell you, but it's a truth. I hadn't thought of it in years. That's a shame. I hadn't thought of it in years. Come on, Pastor, take it. On a hill far away Oh my God. Stood an old Churches are taking this cross out of their sanctuaries. They're taking it off of the tops of their churches. They're taking it out of their yards.
Country Baptist Church. It was a revival. I couldn't tell you the name of the church. I couldn't tell you the name of the pastor. But I remember I was with my grandmother and my grandfather. And I got to go to revival with them. I was eight years old. And conviction hit my heart. I was convicted of my sin. And I couldn't hardly wait till he had quit preaching. I knew he was going to invite us to come. I was the first one down there. And right there at the foot of the cross in that Baptist church, I'm telling you, the burden of my sin rolled off of me. And my eyes were opened. Glory be to God. Then I went straight over to the Assembly of God Church and got filled with the Holy Ghost. Pastor Jerry, Elaine, I don't know. That's fine. That's up to them. That's up to them and God. But you know what? I'm kind of like the Thanksgiving turkey. I know when I'm done. And I know to try to make anything else happen would be nothing but the flesh. And that's not what I move in. I move by the power of the Holy Ghost. And he's all over me. He's all over me.